Welcome to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your host, Fiona Lamb, and I'm joined by... Nat Morgan. And Tracy Kick from Darawal Land. In this week's show, M chats to Tate Mackerel, that's Tate Hall! about the Giants' approach to the 2021 season and her individual gains this year. They, of course, chatted before the game, uh, so they, they had more of a general chat than a, than um, specifically talking about the game because they knew that it would be in the past. Uh, there are questions but not very many answers about our tipping comp. Coach Kiwi chats to Topi Adepoibi about her experience as an umpire. But first, we look at highlights from Round 9, the ultimate the last round, and I'm just going to start by saying I can't believe I missed the opportunity to say last week was the penultimate round. And I missed that opportunity twice because uh, once on this show and once on Coach versus Coach because I stepped in for Peter Holden, friend of the pod, on Wednesday. So but, um, the one you missed on our show was the penultimate time that you forgot to say penultimate <laughs> to? So, oh, my God, it's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. My missing out on that. I love that word. Uh, but I'm going to start. And look, I, I didn't tell you in our in our pre pre show chat that um, the ladder's wrong because I've done a Dumbledore, and based on their second half of yesterday's game, I award GWS 250 points. So just letting you know that. <laughs> But let's start. go for your life. Then. Why don't we start? Why don't we start with the Giants game? Because I knew they were going to come good. I was getting extremely frustrated um, in the first half. The first two quarters were were hard to watch, but uh, they've done this before in their last home and away game, where they absolutely had a cracker of the of a game in the second half. And if it weren't for that Darcy Vessio. Being in the goal square, right on the on the line twice. I mean, if she did it once, I don't know why someone didn't pay attention to where she was the second time. But that's done and dusted now. Um, yeah, it was one. That's point football in- experience, Fee. Um, that's you know knowing what what point the game's at and uh, where to be at the right time. So I think you know her I experience just, shone through there. Absolutely and also, brilliant. Um, and it really pleased that she's going to be the leading goal kicker this year. Yeah. Um, I reckon they're probably too used to Pepper Randall just taking care of Darcy. And uh, yeah, no one, no I, I was really pleased being... to see Tanya Hetherington back, and she, you yeah. know, she kept Taylor Harris really super quiet. She that was, was fantastic. Very quiet, wasn't and, she, Taylor Harris? Yeah, and I think that the the team missed Tanya. I think she's a bit of a general in the back line. The other observation, and I think I messaged you all at halftime, I thought GWS for gone for all money, um, had Carlton kick straight at the scoreboard pressure. They wouldn't have come back from it, but GWS were Absolutely. impressive in the second half and they played, I just guess, I mean, everybody on the weekend had nothing to lose, really, although some, some teams did, but there were some teams who didn't have anything to lose. And so the games were sensational um, because everyone was fighting for them. Yeah, look, um. Cora, Scorer kept us in the game. She was just getting the scoreboard ticking over. Um, she only got the two, I think, but she also, I think, three missed shots. But she kept it in our forward line and worked hard to do that. And that allowed Tate then to 
sort of jump on board um, in the second half. Um, I was wrapped, I like to call her friend of the pod, Tate Mackerel. Yep. And um, uh, she, look, we've been fans of hers for three years now, has it been? And I just feel that Alan has never given her enough opportunity. She came in late this season. She didn't play the opening three games. Um, and when she's out there, she works so hard. She's in and under. She's niggling. And she's got a ripper boot on her. She would have been probably our second highest goal scorer for the year, I would think. She she generally will get a goal a game. So, um, look, good on her. I was wrapped for her. It's a good way for the year to end. I think that tight finish and the narrow loss to the Giants, um, they'll get more out of that than Carlton would have if they had just lost. Like, that would have been, obviously, Carlton's whole life was thrown out the door. The chances of the finals as once North Melbourne had won, they didn't have any reason to be, you know, winning by 100 goals or anything like that. They probably had lost their spirit and just sort of wanted to get out of there and were probably pretty wrapped that they scraped through with a win and sent their delisted, not retired, senior players away um that was fascinating Nat. yeah I, yeah. I, I only heard this from nat just before we went to air yeah, yeah so there's been retirees at the end of the season as normal and after the game it was obvious that the girls katie loin and um al downey were you know there were tears and hugs and extra you know car- did they carry them off sorry i didn't yes. actually yep. i was listening but yeah um and so we went oh they're retired good on you fair enough you're old but they're still considering what to do if they are retiring because they were actually told that they had been delisted by Colton. And I guess it's up to, it must have been up to them to tell the other girls and make it public. Then, and they got a great send-off and they got a win and got to be carried off and enjoy the moment and then get on the beers. Grace? I've got to agree with Tate Mackerel's finish. Um, she kicked two goals, one, had 13 possession, eight kicks, five handballs, a mark and two tackles. Um, great contribution. She's got one of the best kicks in the team. I absolutely know that from seeing it. Um, and so it it would be great to see her have more opportunity. I believe she stuck around and still be involved, involved at UTS, I think, as a coach and play, playing coach maybe. Um, so... Yeah, she's enjoying Sydney life and and uh, I hope she did enough to stay in the list. Surely yeah, put she in more effort than others. Yeah. Um, Do you think the scorer will come back? Yeah, the I think she will. With the world scenario still at the moment, hmm. um, international travel, the effort involved in doing that, uh, who knows? Look, hope so. She's 40 now, isn't she? Did she turn 40? Not yet. She does this year, I think. Mm. Yeah. Look, um, she. I to me, I reckon... She was worth the money and she would have been up in the Giants, one of their best players for this season, for consistency especially. And so passionate when she's just, come on, come with me and angry and feisty and all that. So, yeah, I hope she'll be back. She's good for the game and I think good for sort of membership and and talk and interest, isn't she? Well, it'll be interesting to see if Bridstack can come back. I don't actually know what the deal is with her injury and the likelihood of of her playing anytime soon. I actually don't know. But if Bonner can come back and Bridstack can come back and uh, Cora's there, um, well, like the trio. interesting, interesting to see. Well, all it does is take three posi- uh, positions off local girls. You or are absolutely some younger, right. fit, healthier ones. Mm-hmm. Or some people with um, a footy brain and and years of experience. Yeah, so. yep. oh, I hear you. Gosh. I hear you. Look but just that. while we're Look talking about retiring players, it was interesting that Asta o- O'Connor announced her retirement. And I do wonder if uh, she was given a bit of a push by Geelong because uh, 
without um, without saying any more than this, I'll just say she did just seem to be one who uh, the game had passed by. Look, what's passed her by is her height. Have you seen the size of the rucks now? She's still trying to play the rock role and she's not tall enough to be a rock with the modern-day players who are out there. Yeah. So, look, kudos to her that she's carried the team and the ruck duties because it's tough on your 38-year-old body, but she's got a hands full with some coaching roles and um, she's not lost to the game, certainly. No, that's so, true. Which is great. And, you know, yeah. young Queenslander originally, so mm, you know, kudos to the old... You know, Sunshine Coast, I think she grew up on playing junior boys footy. Good work, good work. Um, another highlight, can I tell you my highlight? Yep. Not not from the Giants game, but the very Friday night's match, so the first game, uh, Western Bulldogs-Richmond. Um, Kirsty Lamb, or I like to call her Krusty Lamb. And I she just call her Cousin Kirsty. Best game. Oh, there you go. She had her best <laughs> game for the year. She had been a little bit lacking this year, I thought. So I thought, mm. good on her. She lifted, carried the team. Um, had plenty of possessions, um, snapped a couple of good goals too. So, And at three-quarter time, that game really was anyone's. Richmond were coming back on a roll, weren't they? Katie Brennan had fired up again. Um, she's had her best year as well, which is good. And same with those key players who started out early on, like um, like Darcy Vesio um, and Katie Brennan, they're having good games. They're having the games that I think we all expected them to have yep. and have been watching for. So, um, yeah, look, I don't know as give Darcy the credit she might deserve because I didn't know her as a junior player or anything like that playing in Victoria never really, and I never played against her and you know she's not old enough <laughs> um so I could only judge her on what she did and I didn't think she did enough uh you know a bit like um Taylor Harris these are you know big one-off games every now and again and then nothing for a season or something so good old Darcy kudos to her indeed couple of shout-outs from the Richmond. I reckon Richmond, uh, with some confidence and a little bit more work, are going to be a real competitive team next year. But a couple of shout-outs from the local footy and local Sydney footy, Beck Miller and Taylor Stahl, both had real breakout years this year, I reckon. Mm. And I think they'll do really well next year. So they'll they'll retain their spots, that's for sure. Beck really impressed me. Um yeah, she's really become a force across that back line. I did tell you at the preview round, was it of this season, the very first pod we all chat about what we were looking forward to, and I said I was really looking forward to Richmond with their new recruits, um, all the Sarahs, Hoskins, Darcy, and there was another one. Sorry to the other Sarah. Um, but Richmond are really good. The only one was Sab's let me down. But besides that, Richmond have been worth their money this year to go and see. All right, and so final shout-out to Christine Hughes. We saw you. We see you. We love you. Thank you for wearing our uh, Coat Hanger footy radio show merch. She was rocking it out at um, at Blacktown yesterday. Uh, thanks, Christine. And Nash, and yes. one more little thing. In last week's show, we put out um, the talk about, you know, sexist words in sport and how we can better manage that. Yep. Well, friend of mine who is a teacher – took that uh, thought process, not so much the sports stuff, but took that into her year five classroom at a girls' school. And she said we had the best session talking about how bad it is and how wrong it is and why is it so wrong. So there's kids who are like age 10 or something to have found examples and everything. And then one of them just went, but history, that's his story. That, that's not right, she said. And so the <laughs> teacher, that. yeah, the teacher was bloody wrapped. And so, yeah, she said, 
everywhere you look now, you can find examples of how it's wrong in life. And yeah, the more we point it out and call it out, the more we all learn from it. Absolutely. I can remember doing that in my year five with Mrs. Kavanagh and we were, we were finding all these sexist ads and one of them was solo back then. The the um, soft drink was a man's drink. It was a man's drink to quench a man's thirst. So we we took a sharpie and we crossed it out. Thanks, Mrs. Kavanagh. All right, let's move on. Em caught up with Tate Mackerel earlier this week, and we're just going to slip straight into their convo. Do you think there's a greater self belief among the giants now? Yeah, I think so. Especially after um, what we've been through, you know kind of since October we've been through a lot so we've all had to lean on each other and you you kind of realize in hard times if you don't believe in yourself and and each other you kind of you don't really feel like you've got much so I think there's definitely been a lot of self-belief amongst the playing group yeah great and what about your own game and what's been different for you this year compared with previous years if anything have you found this year or, or what I suppose what particular challenges have you found personally this year and that might be um, directives from Alan or whether you're you know working through your own work-life stuff yeah I mean for me personally it's been good stringing a few few games together since I think it was around three um so just getting some consistent footy in has been good it's really hard to um play and then say you get dropped or if you don't even get picked kind of prove yourself when we're just training all the time um so I think, like, personally, like, I've always got to work on my fitness and skills and everything like that. But it's also the off-field, off um, like, the footy IQ um, that I've been kind of working with and, you know, being back in the forward line. I was in between the midfield and the forward line and played pretty well the whole year um, as a small forward, which I've, you know, really enjoyed. Um, so I've been pretty happy with getting a few games in. I think it's just kind of the start for me hopefully yeah we certainly noticed from that was it round three you were picked and haven't looked back that there really has been a step up in your footy this year we've certainly enjoyed watching you play too you obviously feel the same way yeah definitely it's um it's fun getting out there and playing and yeah I'm excited by playing every week or you know even if I don't get picked or whatnot it's um exciting to see everyone else go out there and give it a crack and mostly in a forward role take yeah, yeah, as a small forward. Anything ever gets slung to the back line or into the midfield for a brief stint? Um, no, nah, not yet, not yet. Um, but, you know, as long as I play, I don't mind where I play. <laughs> I was about to ask if that's your preference, being the forward <laughs> line, but you're like, as long as I'm out there. Yeah, pretty much. And tell me a little bit about how you manage your work-life footy balance. You do some part-time work and obviously balancing getting out to Giants training and so forth. How does that go for you? Um, yeah, for me, it's not too bad. Um, the biggest challenge I find is actually finding work that can accommodate footy. Um, I was lucky enough um, that Elle Bennett's got me a gig at her school, St. Cath's, um, which is just down the road from me now. So I've been there for almost two years and work anywhere from two to five mornings a week and then occasionally on the weekends but that's pretty hard during our season because we we travel um so most Saturdays I'm kind of not available to coach um which is AFL and then I dip in basketball a little bit but I study part-time as well so I think during the pre-season and particularly in season with travel and different training loads and they tra- like the 
days we train change every week. Um, it can be quite hard to kind of manage because, you know, especially with study, they can clash with tutorials and lectures that I've got. But generally, I've found it not too hard to kind of manage. Geez, the life of a football player and how difficult it is when you've got to earn your keep. You can hear more of that in the fifth quarter. You're listening to the Coat Hanger Football Radio Show on 2SER 107.3. Nat, I think you have some explaining to do with the tipping comp. <laughs> what the hell's I've, going on? I've crashed the system. The tipping competition is frozen. It froze really much. All round, it wasn't great. Your tips were you're winning or losing on them, but there's no – it's not adding up and we're stuck on round eight. And I think it's – frozen because I only got two out of seven this round it could have been anything this year so I'm fully aware that I have lost not to Emma but possibly two or three others with a score of 82 so we're gonna have to find a lot of merch when the system gets up and running there's been no explanation as yet so to slip sliding away Marianne and to Emma and I'm not sure who might be in fourth place look could Fourth or fifth might all be well above me. So we're going to have to find extra show bags with extra gear for anyone who's done well, I think. What have we got there? We've got a Bulldog's gym towel. We've got a Daisy Pierce. um, Bobblehead-y thing. What are they called? Key ring. Key ring. ring. Yeah. Lots of AFLW merch. Check it out. Check it out. Collingwood visor. Collingwood visor. Well, that's mine. That, so put that that away. Tuck that back that. under the desk. I would have loved that. Oh, but I don't yours. deserve to wear it. <laughs> so we'll let oh, you know, goodness. listeners, when we find mm. out actually who's won. And then and then we'll, yeah. we'll have a wooden spoon and a few other things in there as well. But there's... Nat, did you hack it? Once you knew you only had two out of seven, did you do some well, sort of back-end hacking? I started, I started well on Friday night with my first win. I thought, oh, in the bag. My problem was, and I think we'll all probably agree because I don't know what the average would have been this round, the top six teams played each other and then all the bottom teams played each other. So it made four really tight tussles and you really could have picked anyone. And, and you I did. just chose to pick... <laughs> All the losers, pretty much. So <laughs> one game was one point. Another game was two points. Another game was only bloody, I don't know. They could have all been draws. And anyway, look, anyway. I'm going to, you know, tail between my legs and slinkle off. And, but until it's official, <laughs> no, if it's not done this. by next week, I'm taking the bounty, everyone. <laughs> <Fair> so, <enough. laughs> Well, look, over the course of the season, we have had a few things to say about umpiring, but we decided that we would talk to an umpire. So that's what Coach Kiwi did uh, earlier, well, last week, I should say. And uh, let's listen to a little bit of that now. So this is Topi Adepoibi, uh, who is a Melbourne-based umpire. Yeah, so I umpire AFLW. I also umpire uh, NAB Girls and Boys. So that's the under-18 competition. And I also umpire VFLW. So, yeah, of all those leagues, yet they're predominantly female, which is awesome. Do you have a (laughs) favourite? You can never have favourites in any any (laughs) realm, right, as an umpire. You're always completely impartial. I um, didn't ask favourite team or favourite player, just favourite league. <laughs> <laughs> I know your favourite coach, um, but favourite league? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. You, yep, no secret, Kiwi, you're my favourite coach. Of course, you actually taught me how to kick a footy, I have to say. Um, Absolutely. We'll come back do, to the training. I, <laughs> I do have, um, well, uh, what I will say is that doing the AFLW 
uh, has been a career-defining experience. It's been such a highlight. I feel like it's a movement, you know, and it's been amazing for me to be involved in that movement um, from the umpiring side. People don't think about the umpires, I know, but um, I just love getting out there and umpiring the girls and um, kind of representing from, from the umpire side. So um, a regular training session, what would that look like for a goal umpire? So a regular training session is usually comprised of um, agility and fitness. Um, so we really focus on being able to move off the mat really quickly and get under the fight of the ball. Um, so we have agility and fitness and then we do uh, skills drills is a big focus, right? And that's another reason why I wanted to learn to kick the footy so that I wasn't so terrible um, when it's my turn to kick with the skills drills. So we'll set up different scenarios that you might have in a game, practice all the different, um, you know, situations that you can get in um, with regard to umpiring. And then we'll also look at vision. So we'll look at vision from games and um, as a group go through teachable moments from those games. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, um, there's a particular game, and you may not want to cast your mind back to this game, but um, I think it was about round five down at Victoria Park and one young Chloe Malloy came charging in and someone gave her a shove and she ended up hitting you against the goalpost and you all landed in a heap on the ground. But you still had to quickly jump up to continue your job, no matter how much pain you're in. It's easy for the players. They can roll around and trainers come on to them. But it's it's tough in the goal there, right? Didn't you end up with a few screws on your shin? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did, I did. You know, as we say, um, always keep umpiring. You, <laughs> you've got to... Uh, You've got to show kind of roll with on. the punches, as it were. And <laughs> the show absolutely must go on. And um, I didn't have to call on the emergency umpire that day. Um, lucky for them. But it's definitely one <laughs> I won't forget in a hurry. <laughs> hear more of that in the fifth quarter. Let's move on because we want to um, preview the finals this weekend. So the first game is Dees versus Frio. Casey, um, what are your predictions, team? Well, I think Melbourne are in the box seat at the moment. They've beaten the three top teams above them with three rounds to go, and Dockers was one of them. And they won that game, and they won that game over in Frio. They're now playing this game here. Well, here, sorry, not in Sydney. In, here in their hometown of Melbourne, sorry, out at Casey now. And that's their... Their, their, their love ground, isn't it? They don't lose out there. So I'm feeling like Melbourne are on a roll. They are without Darling Daisy. The Daisy yeah. damage happened. But they won the game on the weekend without it, which was great. She didn't play really any part in the game. Um, looks like it's not as bad an injury as what everyone feared, looking at the size of that brace that she uh, strapped on. Um, without her, can they do it, Trace? Actually, I think they can. Um First thing is that the Melbourne haven't lost at Casey Fields all year, so that's the first observation. And they they uh, knocked over my Lions on the weekend, so they proved that again. As you said, Nat, they're taking on all the top teams. Interestingly, one of the the only counts that the Dockers won on the weekend against the Lions was tackles, and I, and I just wonder if they can bring enough pressure. Um, 
and whether or not Melbourne can close down their, you know, that sort of triad of players in the forward line who can be absolutely lethal when on fire. But, um, I, you know, I think Sabrina Duffy didn't even kick a goal um, this weekend. So um, I think they've absolutely got a chance. And while Daisy's experience in finals would be the value, I'd, I still think, as you said, they just, you know, pretty much had to play without her this week. I think they're a real chance. I mean, I, I've been loving Frio, but, yeah, yep. I give them a chance. Yep. Melbourne, the big surprise for us this um, this season. And, I, I, yeah, I reckon I'm, I'm going to tip, um, even though Tippick is not anymore, I'm going to tip Melbourne. I reckon they're going to continue their their winning streak at Casey's. The, so the other final is Pies versus Ruse. What do you reckon? I'm going to go to that one. I'm a bit worried about the pies. What do you think? Oh, look, they've only lost to Crows and Brisbane, two really good gun sides. I don't put North Melbourne in that category. I think Collingwood will get their act together and we'll look at what they did wrong last weekend, which was a lot. But I don't feel we can play that badly again. And Adelaide were just magnificent. So I say Collingwood, an easy win this okay. weekend. All right. They need to kick better than that because they went yeah, inside 50 and yes. only converted 29%. So there's going to have to really capitalise. When they've got the ball in 50, they're going to have to capitalise, keep it in there and actually score goals. Because um, yeah. as we know, it's a very simple game. <laughs> goals <laughs> are how you yes. um, Generally. Uh, there'll be some, you know, some fascinating matchups there, you know, with um, Collingwood and North and, Oh, both the games are going to be crackers, I think. We've got guests. I hope they're happy to watch it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, if you are in Melbourne, as I will be this weekend, you have to choose. You cannot go to both because the Casey Field is about an hour's drive out of the middle of uh, Melbourne and it's impossible to watch that one. So I think I'm going to ditch Casey and go to the home of footy, the home of the, the Collingwood women, Vic Park. Um, so that's probably where I'll be. That's so the first game's at uh, one o'clock, one o five, and the second one at Vic Park is uh, three ten. So watch those if you can. Be there if you can. <laughs> time for um, rising stars before we go. Very we've got quickly, some time up that's like still two minutes, Nat. Oh, well, I talk slowly then this week. <laughs> um, of course, another two rising stars: Western Bulldogs, Eleanor Brown. Um, their running halfbacks had a terrific year and it's finally been recognised at the end of the season. And Brisbane, their third player to get a rising star this year, Brisbane, um, uh, Talia Hickey, who's their ruck, and plenty of knockouts and picked up 15 hitouts, 15 disposals, and also I think she picked up six tackles as well. So for a uh, for a um, big chick to be dragging down the tackles, well done to her. I've got to say, I think, the rucks this year at every club pretty much have just shined. They've been brilliant. Like, I don't know who's going to get in the All-Australian. We'll probably talk about that another another week. So uh, good work and all. So go the footy this weekend. Good luck to the Mighty Pies. And I hope <laughs> the that the footy typical comp just slides off the page and so we never so have to talk about it again. <laughs> and no news from the tribunal yet, I don't no, think. Has anyone no, seen any no, news from the tribunal? No, nothing. No, just check two. And and that wasn't well. you that sent me a message that thought Gemma Houghton might be in trouble? You had a uh, no, Emma, Emma had thought that she was in trouble. I was more concerned with uh, 
Oh, he was doing the shove in the back. Um, Lauren Pierce, actually. She was doing, she almost instigated that melee. She was shoving. Actually, the outcome of that will be quite interesting, won't it? That melee business. There's going to be plenty of dollars earned. Um, oh, Kiara Bowers, I think she was giving her plenty of shut, you know, in the back, and, and that's what's triggered off there. So there's a few dollars coming out of a few pockets this well, weekend. The, so maybe that's news- why they haven't announced it because they're still looking through the video and they're up to the 20th player or something. That could be the difference and mean that they don't, um, they're disqualified out of the MVP. Interesting to see. Okay. Oh, yeah. We Look, I don't know whether they're up. even reportable. There's certainly, if they take a reprimand, does that eliminate them? No, they have to actually miss a match. I don't think anyone's going to miss a match. No, I don't think. no, but they might not. I don't know. Uh, if they get a penalty, they're out, aren't they? I think a rep. I'm not sure if a reprimand. No, I don't think a rep. No, because Kiara Bowers has had about 13 reprimands this year, and yeah. she's still bloody sitting mm, top of the tree of the awards apparently. tally. So, uh, all right. We have to wrap it up. Follow us on socials. This is the Codega Football Radio Show on 2SER 107.3. So we're here every Monday at 7 p.m. And uh, you can catch our pod where there's extra content. For the best hub of using women's footy, tune tune in to to the the Codega. I'm excited to be having a chat today with the all-round excellent Tate Mackerel from the GWS Giants. Tate, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having me. It's really good to talk to you again. I think this time last year or thereabouts, we had you on the coat hanger. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's good. It's nice to be back. A few familiar faces. So uh-huh, good chat. Indeed. Excellent. I'm going to um, grill you with a ton of questions. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first thing I've got to say is that our podcast or our radio show, in fact, runs on a Monday night and the podcast comes out on a Tuesday, which is obviously after the weekend's matches. So listeners might be hearing this and it's a little bit out of sync because I'm talking to you on a Thursday before the matches, before your Carlton game. So let's not talk too much about the matches, maybe and look at the season overall instead. Yes. All right. Now, um, just to hark back slightly to the start of the season briefly, you guys had a tremendously difficult time at the start of the year with all kinds of things that we've talked about at length. Without necessarily dwelling on those things, I wonder whether you feel like things levelled out for you guys after that tumultuous start to the season. Did things kind of level? Um, yeah, I think they kind of leveled out when we got back to Sydney. Um, the hardest part was probably not knowing what was coming next. So I think getting back to Sydney and having our own beds and a semi-normal life kind of kick-starting back up, I think that, that really helped settle settle the ship and um, definitely, you know, reduce the anxiety around what was going on and what was coming next. Um, but I think that was probably a pretty big tipping point for us. It sounds like from what I've heard other players say that you guys actually really bonded through that period, that early period too, even though it was really difficult, it was a good bonding experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're given a couple of days notice to go and move to Albury for a couple of weeks and then off to Adelaide and to Perth and everything, you kind of, you know, you're living with 30 teammates and however many staff could come in and out. So I think you either sink or swim. Um, And yeah, we definitely found a different sort of a connection and bond with each other through that experience. And you've been with the Giants for a while now. Did you find this year things were different in any particular ways? Were there many changes to be made in terms of team structures or the way that you got, you know, your, your team plans, anything different from Allen and co? Um, No, I think generally it's what we've kind of been building towards. I think, um, you know, there's been a greater picture the whole time I've kind of been at the club and I think we're kind of, really 
taking the next step into, you know, the kind of game we want to play and things of how we want to move the ball, but also like what characters we want to have around the club and um, just a, a broader picture. I think we've kind of hit a, hit a turning point where, you know, we kind of don't play to get games or we don't want to make up the numbers. We actually want to win. And I think it's been a, um, a big, you know, reality check for a lot of girls, which has been good. It's exciting for the future. Do you think there's a greater self-belief among the Giants now? Yeah, I think so, especially after um, what we've been through, you know, kind of since October. We've been through a lot, so we've all had to lean on each other and you gotta, you kind of realise in hard times if you don't believe in yourselves and, and each other, you kind of, you don't really feel like you've got much. So I think there's definitely been a lot of self-belief amongst the playing group. Yeah, great. And... What about your own game and what's been different for you this year compared with previous years, if anything? Have you found this year or, or what, I suppose, what particular challenges have you found personally this year? And that might um, be directives from Alan or whether you're, you know, working through your own work-life stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's been good stringing a few, few games together since I think it was around three. Um, so just getting some consistent footy in has been good. It's really hard to... Um, play and then say you get dropped or if you don't even get picked kind of prove yourself when we're just training all the time um so I think like personally like I've always got to work on my fitness and skills and everything like that but it's also the off off field um like with footy IQ um, that I've been kind of working with and you know being back in the forward line I was in between the midfield and the forward line played pretty well the whole year um, as a small forward, which I've, you know, really enjoyed. Um, so I've been pretty happy with getting a few games in. I think it's just kind of the start for me, hopefully. Yeah, we certainly noticed from that, was it round three you were picked and haven't looked back, that there really has been a step up in your footy this year. We've certainly enjoyed watching you play too. You obviously feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's fun getting out there and playing. And, yeah, I'm excited by playing every week or you know, even if I don't get picked or whatnot, it's um exciting to see everyone else go out there and give it a crack. And mostly in a forward role, Tate? Yeah, yeah, as a small forward. Anything ever gets slung to the back line or into the midfield for a brief stint? Um, no, nah, not yet, not yet. Um, but, you know, as long as I play, I don't mind where I play. <laughs> I was about to ask if that's your preference, being the forward <laughs> line, but you're like, as long as I'm out there. Yeah, pretty much. And... Tell me a little bit about how you manage your work-life footy balance. You do some part-time work and obviously balancing getting out to Giants training and so forth. How does that go for you? Um, yeah, for me, it's not too bad. Um, the biggest challenge I find is actually finding work that can accommodate footy. Um, I was lucky enough um, that Elle Bennett's got me a gig at her school, St. Cath's, um, which is just down the road from me now. So I've been there for almost two years and work anywhere from two to five mornings a week and then occasionally on the weekends. But that's pretty hard during our season because we, we travel. Um, so most Saturdays I'm kind of not available to coach, um, which is AFL. And then I dip in basketball a little bit. But I study part-time as well. So I think during the pre-season and particularly in-season with travel and different training loads and they tra like days we train change every week um, it can be quite hard to kind of manage because 
you know, especially with study, they can clash with tutorials and lectures that I've got. But generally, I've found it not too hard to kind of manage. Yeah, that's good. Um, tell us a bit about the studies too, because you're, you're doing criminology and psychology at UNSW in a part-time yeah. role. Yeah, yeah. So, and part-time because of footy primarily, just to make sure you space things out. Yeah, pretty much. I think if I was to go full-time, especially UNSW with the trimesters, they, the terms run quite late into the year, like into December. Um, we have exams, which is when pre-season's kind of at its peak leading into the Christmas break. Um, I think personally for me, if I went full time, it would just become a bit overwhelming. And, you know, when I'm at footy, I like to put all my time and energy and focus into my footy. Um, studying is not my, necessarily my strong point, but I do like to try, um, give it my best shot. So I think, yeah, if it was just, if I did full time study and then try and work a little bit and then do footy, I don't think personally for me, it would probably be the best, best option. Hey, last time you spoke to us, you mentioned that you were keen to join the police force. Is that still on the cards? Um, yeah, I've kind of held off on that for a little while. Um, not too sure where I want to go in terms of a career. Um, but, you know, I'm working with um, a couple of people from the AFLPA helping me kind of work my way through that. But I'm definitely still on the cards. So the Players Association will sit with you guys and work out what might happen during and after footy in terms of a career for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, um, they've been great the last, I've kind of only tapped in the last few weeks, but they've sat down and um, working through a few things with me and um, which will be a good step in moving forward. Mm. And how does that work? Is it kind of like a careers counselling service for lack of a better description? Um, kind of. It's kind of like sit down and work through your CV and write up a resume and go through and sort out jobs and see kind of like your prerequisites of what's required and I guess kind of generalise the main things like first aid and, you know, working with children's checks, stuff like that, um, and then kind of shortlisting a few options and then working backwards from there. So it's like maybe looking at getting, I don't know, an internship to a counselling um, organisation or something like that to tap in with my psychology studies um, to then, you know, add to my CV and hopefully find a job and a career in the future. Yeah, great. And that service at the Players Association office, is that something that most players would be aware, maybe especially the younger players perhaps, do they know they could tap into something like that? Um, we definitely know that we can tap into it. I don't know if players feel like they can though. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the time the PA are there to support us, but because we go to war with the PA to the AFL about CBA and stuff like that. I think especially as a young kid, it can get quite messy and it is, it's quite daunting to go and talk to someone you've never met before about, you know, work or mental health or any services that they provide. They offer endless services. So um, I'm lucky that I kind of tapped in, in my first year, first, second year at the Giants. Um, yep. So no, I've, I find them great, a great resource. It is funny what you touch on with that sort of at war with they're sort of on your side on the one hand, but also there's that pushback that you're giving often. I think last yeah. time I, I spoke to Pepper Randall not long back and she was talking about how the CBA stuff, and obviously it's not being negotiated at the moment, but because of COVID, there'd been a real setback to conversations around what women in football needed and in terms of other, you know, there's a raft of things, but whether it's pay or other issues, 
it really was a sort of, it got backgrounded because of COVID issues. Is that what your experience is? Yeah, um, definitely. I can agree with Pepper on that one. It kind of was almost like the COVID kind of hit and took over the country, took over the world. And then at the same time, we were like, this is a much greater issue than us, but also we need to come back to work and to play footy next year. And we had no idea what was going on until well, right before pre-season was kind of meant to start. So, yeah, I definitely can um, agree with Pepper. Mm. Makes it uh, interesting to see what will happen next season, I suppose, in, assuming that we're post-COVID, touch wood. Yeah, touch wood, mm. but it will be interesting. Now, um, after the AFLW season, I understand you're going to do some coaching and maybe a bit of playing with the UTS Bats in the Sydney Women's Comp. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, great. Can you tell us a bit about your role there? Um, yeah, so it's kind of the same role that I had last year. Um, signed on as a playing assistant coach. So I didn't get many games in last year. I carried a few injuries throughout the year and it was a shorter year as it was um, with COVID. But um, pretty well, if I'm not playing, um, coaching from the sideline, helping the girls out, kind of just bringing my experience and knowledge, um, what I know about the game in and try and help them develop and um, play some good footy. And obviously when I'm playing, kind of hopefully lead by example a little bit um, on field and then help out throughout the week um, at trainings, run a few drills and that kind of thing. I'm sure the girls love having you around. <laughs> yeah, I think they do. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Now, there's obviously quite a focus on the development of women's footy in New South Wales and this kind of sense that it is lagging a little bit behind other states. Do you see some exciting young talent coming through that UTS BATS program or anywhere else in the academies? Yeah, definitely. Or? I think... Um, just from the bats, I think last year we had quite a few girls come over from different sports, got picked up at like uni open week and that kind of thing. Um, and how much they've developed in say 12 months has been kind of ridiculous. Um, I mean, you just got to look at people like Tani Evans, Georgia Garnett, who have come through um, the youth programs in New South Wales um, and getting games now and, you know, they don't look out of place at all. I think there's heaps of talent uh, coming through New South Wales and the ACT, which is really exciting. So, yeah. Nice to watch that and be a part of it, I imagine. Oh, definitely. It's pretty cool when you're, you know, coaching young girls and they say that they aspire to play AFLW one day. It's a, it's a pretty powerful position to be in. It's very exciting. Yeah, great. Now, the, the Sydney Women's Comp is the only state-based comp in the country that doesn't or isn't going to run it's competition at the same time as AFLW. Do you, I imagine you've got some <laughs> thoughts on that. Yeah. Tell us. Just a couple. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a hard one because obviously footy's typically played throughout the winter. Um, so playing it during the summer, it clashes with a lot of other sports. Um, but in saying that, the AFLW is a, a professional sport now and you know we're the male like female equivalent to the men's so um I think it's been really good to see other states kind of rearrange their winter programs to coincide um with the AFLW uh it is a massive advantage for other states to have that in play because we don't so I mentioned it earlier you know when we don't get picked all we do is train it's really hard to go out there and prove yourself and show what you've kind of been working on in a game sense um, especially when sometimes we might get 20, 30 minutes of match sim a week um, mm. in in season. So 
it's hard. Um, I think most of us would rather play, um, we'll start during the AFLW season and then play, play on and then finish up a little bit early and have a bit of a break over the back end of winter leading into pre-season again. Um, but yeah, I think it, it puts New South Wales um, and the Giants being the only female team in Sydney at the moment at a pretty big disadvantage. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think that's kind of the reality of where we're at. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I think all of us would like to see that comp run alongside and be really well supported and well resourced and, you know, somewhere for Giants players to go, of course, when they're not playing, as you mentioned, that making a game with the Giants has got to be somewhere to go, doesn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Watch this space. Hey, um, <laughs> now, aside from that change, is there anything else you'd like to see in the way of changes for, for women's football in New South Wales that would make it better? Um. I think probably the biggest one that comes to mind is, you know, coming from South Australia and when the Crows started up and then SA aligned their um, kind of their winter comp with the Crows season, um, they then distributed the girls evenly throughout the competition. I know it's quite hard given where people live and proximity to clubs and how far they got to travel, but um, I find in Sydney, most girls go to where whoever's winning um, and if they want to win a flag and have success, they'll tend to all go there and it's not having a go at anyone. But I think, you know, for the competition to be more even and the quality of the competition then to increase, um, seeing girls get spread out over the teams in the Premier Division would be a pretty good step because um, then you've got teams at the moment like Southern Power who don't really have I don't think they've got anyone, um, AFLW players, kind of aligned to their club. Um, it's just kind of myself and ex-player Pippa Smythe at UTS. So, But then you can look at Manly, who have got four or five, maybe six kind of girls stacked up in their team. So I think to enhance the competition and, you know, see growth and development at our state league level, that would be a pretty good step to take. And obviously you're suggesting the AFL should intervene in that regard and distribute the talent evenly. Yeah, I think it probably probably stems from AFL New South Wales um, rather than the AFL because um, the sample, that's what they did over there, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on it, but um, kind of being in and amongst it, I think that's kind of what happened. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah look, you can see, you can immediately see how that would benefit the competition, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interesting thoughts. Um, now, just a couple more questions, Tate. The first one is, what do you think, I mean, the Giants, you know, thereabouts this year, what do you think the Giants need to be that little bit more competitive next year? Um, probably a stable season, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was pretty unstable, wasn't it? Yeah, a bit of stability would have been nice. Um, but I don't know, I think coming off a couple of losses that were really disappointing um during the middle of the season and you know a narrow win over Geelong I think we've kind of had a few tough conversations about where we see our footy going um and we've started you know changing the way that we train and the way we think about things and the way we go about it because you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome um so I think we've you know kind of put a different lens on and looking at things from a different perspective, which is good. Um, but 
I'm not going to lie to you. I think just a bit of stability would go a very long way with us. Yeah. Yeah. Surely next year it's going to have to be a lot more stable than it was this year. Incredible times. You would think so. It's yeah. And it's just hard being one of the only team out of the competition having to relocate and, you know, having none of the other teams have to go through that was hard. Like we, played our practice match in Adelaide and they had no idea we were um, hubbing there afterwards. So it's just little things like that, which you probably wouldn't think would have a major effect. Um, But when you've got people moving away from families and partners and loved ones and jobs and losing jobs, um, they're they're all stresses that add up and cause, yeah, a lot of distress in people's lives. Yeah, it'll certainly be the season you'll never forget, won't it, for sort of all the wrong reasons, really? Yeah, it's a story for the ages, I tell you. Yeah, gee. <laughs> um, all power to you guys, really. <laughs> now, just to finish on a much lighter note, I'm, I'm wondering if you're thinking through sort of the end of the season, um, who will you miss most from the Giants in the off-season? Um, I'm not too sure. It's, it's always a funny time to see who stays and who goes. Yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I don't know. I'm sure Tanya Hetherington and Jess Dowcross probably head back to Melbourne. So they can always be quite a laugh. Tanya's quite a quirky character. So going to miss having, having her around, you know, four times a week and just doing weird Tanya stuff that she usually does. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, like I said, it's always an interesting time to see where people go, but I, I would like to think most of us are kind of finding a base here in Sydney and we can kind of keep in touch and, you know, keep catching up and do a couple of training sessions here and there throughout the winter. So it sounds like a number of you are going to stay in Sydney this season. Yeah, I think so. From is that, a, is the, that unusual? Um, no, I think, or if COVID didn't happen last year, I think a lot more would have stayed. Um, even I went home through COVID um, just because of the unknown. We didn't know what, you know, whatever amount of time was going to look like. Whereas I would normally stay in Sydney for those two months that I was at home. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of girls will probably stay. You obviously have some that will go home and do their own thing, which is if that makes them the happiest they can be, then good on them. Well, it sounds like you guys have a pretty tight-knit group. You know, you have had that anyway in previous years, but obviously especially this year with bringing you closer together again. So it's probably nice to have everybody around in the off-season or in, you know, state league comps and that kind of thing yeah it is it's nice it's like familiar faces here and there when you go and play one of the girls on a weekend and then you're able to go have brekkie or something afterwards it's it's nice yeah i really enjoy that yeah cool hey tate thanks so much for talking to us it's been a real pleasure no i've loved it i'm happy to come back anytime so it's always good fun Hey, next time we actually have some studio access at the radio station because we've been on Zoom all year, all of the AFRW yeah. season, but we have some studio access. We'll get you in and you can be Beautiful. part of the, the panel if you'll do that with us. That'd be unreal. Sounds good. Can't wait. Yeah, cool. Hey, good luck for the rest of the giant season and thank also you. for your season with the bats. Wish you all the best. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Hi and welcome to The Coat Hanger. You're listening to Coach Kiwi and today we're shining a light on the umpires. One in particular is a goal umpire. You will notice her in AFLW matches because 
She is six foot one tall. Yes, any coaches like me would probably be eyeing off this person as a potential ruck. But nope, she's much more comfortable waving the flags at the end of the field. Welcome to the show, Topi. And I'm not even going to try to say your surname. How do you say it, Topes? Hi, Kiwi. Yep, my name is Topi Adepoibi. Now, Topi, you started umpiring at the age of 14. That's a long time yes, that's young. Right to decide to pick up the flags. How did you get started in umpiring? Yes, I did. I started um, umpiring because I actually wanted to play. But back then, a long, long, long time ago, I'm not going to give away my age, um, <laughs> there was no women's footy, right? So I um, loved football and I really admire girls, you know, who I hear about today who just turned up to their boys footy club and just you know asked to play or demanded to play it never would have occurred to me I just thought you know it's just not an open pathway but I was completely obsessed with the footy and saw an ad in the paper one day that said get fit and get paid and get out there on the football field and I was like well this is seems like my only way to get involved so that's how I started. That's incredible because you, um, from what I know about you, you've um, played some other sports. So you've played tennis, played basketball, did a bit of squash, but your real love was football. And so this is your way of getting involved. It that's, was. That's, that's pretty incredible because from my perspective as a player, the umpires cop a lot and I'm sure you've copped a lot in your time. <laughs> Yes, yes, you know, uh, every umpire would have multiple stories to tell you. But I have to say that um, things are certainly um, uh, different in this day and age. So, yes, I started at 14 and I umpired for about um, three or four seasons back then and had a multi-year break. Um, I'm back now three seasons in. But in between that time when I umpired as a teenager compared to now, um, things are a lot more PC. I definitely copped way more abuse back then than I do now. Wow. So do you focus more on female games? You, like you're an AFLW umpire. What other leagues do you umpire in? Yeah, so I umpire AFLW. I also umpire uh, NAB Girls and Boys. So that's the under-18 competition. And I also umpire VFLW. So, yeah, of all those leagues, yep, they're predominantly female, which is awesome. Do you have a favourite? <laughs> you can never have favourites in any, in any <laughs> realm, right, as an umpire. You're always completely I, impartial. I, I um, didn't ask favourite you... team or favourite player, just favourite league. <laughs> <laughs> I know your favourite coach, um, but favourite league? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, of course. You, yep, no secret, Kiwi, you're my favourite coach. Of course, you actually taught me how to kick a footy, I have to say. Um, Absolutely. We'll come back do, to the training. I, <laughs> I do have, um, well, uh, what I will say is that doing the AFLW uh, has been a career-defining experience. It's been such a highlight. I feel like it's a movement, you know, and it's been amazing for me to be involved in that movement um, from the umpiring side. People don't think about the umpires, I know, but um, I just love getting out there and umpiring the girls and um, 
kind of representing from from the umpire side? Yeah, now we touched a little bit on um, that I taught you how to kick a footy. And this is something that people probably don't um, also realise. And I guess I never did. I never considered what training an umpire goes through. But you came down to one of my clinics to learn how to kick a footy. So then you could learn how to how, how we hold it and adjust the angle of which we're holding it affects the flight of that football. So you were so keen to learn and understand that part of, of our game when we're shooting at the goal that we never, you know, that I guess we took for granted how much you need to know when that ball comes off, you know, the bounce of the ball, the flight of the ball. It's so much study really that a goal umpire has to do, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, I guess in a way for me, because I didn't play. So in a way I'm starting from a different, um, you know, I'm starting from a different point than my male colleagues who probably don't have to put as much thought into that because they grew up, you know, kicking a footy from the time they could walk, right? So um, understanding that probably comes a bit more naturally. But because I never played and I didn't know anything about, you know, all the different um, kicking styles, it was just important for me to learn that. But, you know, overall, you're exactly right. I don't think people realise how much goes into training and and what we do and um, all the different things that we have to consider back there in the goals. So um, a regular training session, what would that look like for a goal umpire? So regular training session is usually comprised of um, agility and fitness. Um, So we really focus on being able to move off the mat really quickly and get under the flight of the ball. Um, So we have agility and fitness and then we do uh, skills drills is a big focus, right? And that's another reason why I wanted to learn to kick the footy so that I wasn't so terrible um, when it's my turn to kick with the skills drills. So we'll set up different scenarios that you might have in a game, practice all the different, um, you know, situations that you can get in um, with regard to umpiring. And then we'll also look at vision. So we'll look at vision from games and um, as a group go through teachable moments from those games. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, um, there's a particular game, you may not want to cast your mind back to this game, but um, I think it was about round five down at Victoria Park and one young Chloe Malloy came charging in and someone gave her a shove and she ended up hitting you against the goalpost and you all landed in a heap on the ground. But you still had to quickly jump up to continue your job, no matter how much pain you're in. It's easy for the players. They can roll around and trainers come on to them. But it's it's tough in the goal there, right? <laughs> Didn't you end up with a few screws on your yeah. shin? <laughs> I, I did, I did. You know, as we say, um, always keep umpiring. You, you've got to, uh, you've got to kind of roll with on. the punches, as it were. And <laughs> it's a show absolutely must go on. And um, I didn't have to call on the emergency umpire that day. Um, lucky for them, but it's definitely one I <laughs> won't forget in a hurry. <laughs> so, I don't know, did, did Moi Moi come up and say anything to you after the game? Well, they're just not allowed, I guess. Not allowed to interact with the umpires? <laughs> no, I didn't um, stop and chat. We, we just ran off and just kind of, you know, patched myself up. <laughs> Pure professionals. 
<laughs> so um, when you're when you're all umpiring, so you're currently at the elite level of AFLW. Do you have other aspirations in your in your umpiring? Uh, look, you know, I've just been really um, happy to do. This is my third AFLW season, so it's been amazing um, to to have have had the opportunity to get involved. Um, you know, three times now. Um, really looking forward to um, the standard VFL season coming up as well. Um, Kiwi, I'd have to say I'm pretty happy with with where I'm sat now. You know, it's been a bit of a long journey, and I just kind of. You know, as this is a sports podcast, right? So I've got to come up with the cliche, take it one game at a time. <laughs> oh, you've done your homework. What about what about field umpiring? You, you've got no um, no interest to get out there and run around in the short shorts? <laughs> Have you seen me try to run more than maybe two or 300 metres? I'm all fast twitch muscle fibres. I could never run that far and get. I could never run for as long as a field umpire runs. Ah, uh-uh, that is not in my future. They they do clock up a lot of Ks. I just I don't. I, I mean, we have rotations for the players, but gee, those umpires, they run a lot. Um, so, what are the, some of the challenges you've had in your um, huge long career umpiring? I know you've career, had some. like I say, broken up into two parts. Yeah. Um, look, you know, challenge, it's it is a challenging gig, right? Being an umpire, um, you know, when you have um, you know, have had a game where it wasn't your best, it's always difficult to rebound from that and you know, take the learnings and and rebuild your confidence to go back out there. Um, like I said, when I was younger, back in the sort of bad old days. Um, a lot of abuse from the crowd probably affected me more as a young one. It doesn't get, it doesn't, it's water off a duck's back to me now. But I think back then as a teenager, it was probably a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of a shock to be exposed to that. Um, yeah, but those are the trials and tribulations we all go through. So you're, you, I mean, people are listening. They can't see you, but you've got African heritage. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. My parents immigrated from Nigeria in the early 70s. So they were among the first Africans to migrate to Australia. So you must find some challenges in the way people look at you and think you're not from here. You're For the listeners, Topi was born in Australia, but for most people probably would look at you and think, what do you know about this game? You're not from around these parts. Or do they not? But that's the beauty well, I I think that's actually the beauty of stepping out there every weekend is um, kind of being a visual representation that footy is for everybody. Um, and, it you know, footy lovers come in all different shapes and sizes. And um, I absolutely love um, kind of sticking out like a sore thumb for the mere fact that it's just representing a different face to football um and so and I get pretty good feedback from people and you know young African girls who probably would have never even thought to umpire or never sort of seen themselves reflected out there it's um it's one of the parts of this gig that I enjoy the most yeah and and so the other thing must be as you said shapes and sizes six four 
one, I imagine is not a common size for an umpire. So those uniforms, being that they're probably all designed for men anyway, you must have some fun picking um, correct fitting uniforms when you started umpiring. Or even now, I well, guess, like even with, with the long well, like with my normal life, I have to wear the men's pants. We do have female um, uniforms, but I definitely go for the men's just like in my normal life. I always have to go for the men's just to get the length in the pants. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and what about contracts and things like, do they, you know, when they sign up the umpires, is there any challenges between being a female or a male? Or um, do you think it's better these days that, as we get more females involved in umpiring, you're seen just more as a regular regular person coming on board rather than, oh, she's a woman, we've got to look out for her or any of those kind of challenges? Yeah, definitely. I th definitely. I think that, you know, now there's many more female umpires coming through the ranks. Um, and I would encourage any listeners who thought about it or hadn't even thought about it till now, get down to your local league. It, umpires are always in demand and like I said there's a real movement happening with women's footy and I would just love to see that grow in umpiring as well um, there's a lot going on in terms of encouraging female involvement in umpiring and um, hopefully people will get as welcome in an experience as I have here in Victoria when I started umpiring again so um, yeah it's been pretty positive in that way yeah, that's awesome. Now you you've got is it five siblings? And you're the oldest? Uh, I'm the eldest of four. Four siblings. So you haven't encouraged yeah. any of them to um, pick up the flags and do some umpiring as well? They've got absolutely zero interest. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get this full love for football and they just know? <laughs> um, you know, growing up in the NT, um, you know, it's such a footy loving um, place right growing up in the Northern Territory and I was probably more into sports than my siblings were so by virtue of that I think um, that's how that kind of happened you know they my, my sisters yeah they like played a bit of netball or you know whatnot my brother my brother's six foot eight or nine he plays basketball um, but yeah I don't know I don't know I'm just sort of the odd one out that way that's pretty cool. Now, um, I'm not going to ask who your favourite team is because I understand you wouldn't have a favourite team, but which is your favourite field to umpire at? Ah, my favourite field. I really, really like umpiring at um, Icon Park at Prince's Park. There's something about that ground um, that sort of gives you the sense of occasion now yeah maybe it's because I did some of my earlier AFLW games there um I just yeah I really really enjoy that oval do you have a preference for which end because one end you're right with the cheer squad aren't you uh, or the opponent's cheer squad and the other end is um sort of not many behind it. it's got the big glass building so as an umpire, the end you want is the least windy end. <laughs> That's what you're looking out for. And that icon, the, um, the, the least windy end, has the stands behind it because it's a bit protected. So that's the, that's the end I prefer. <laughs> Excellent. So you're probably uh, definitely not a fan of Casey Fields or um, RCA Park, who 
uh, renowned, <laughs> renowned for uh, windy games. Winds. Yeah, wind is a killer. And uh, will we be seeing you for the finals? Gosh, Kiwi, you know, those are the <laughs> big questions. So, I refer to my earlier comment, it's one week at a, it's one game at a time. One game <laughs> at a time. Like a professional, Topes. You're such a professional at this. Um, I'm sure there'll be um, a, Victor- a Victorian game in the finals at some point. So I'm sure we'll see you down. And for our listeners, get along. Yell out to Topi, but only before the siren or after the siren, not during, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll be focused between those two sorrows. Excellent. And um, any advice for others to take up the sport or take up the flags? <laughs> like I said, get down and try it. Go to your local Come and Try Umpiring Day. They're always looking for umpires and it's a fantastic way to get involved. You know, do it. <laughs> fantastic. Do as Topi says. Hey, Topes, thanks so much for coming on the Coat Hanger. We are the best harbour views on women's footy and you at six foot one are right up here with us. So thanks for your time and um, all the best between the sticks for the rest of the season. And we might even see it some NAB games or VFLW games. Thanks, mate. See ya. And that's a wrap. Tune in to the Coat Hanger.